right. Well, welcome to yet another episode of Fuck You Friday. I'm your host, Wynn Silberman. This is my co-host, Casey LeBlanc. And we have a very fascinating guest today. I'm super excited to dig into this stuff. Hanson Shu, thank you very, very much to be here. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I wanted to start, Case. I, I always like to just give a little bit of background because it's funny. You're here. We're going to talk about some very fascinating things, including the word uh, quantum acoustics, which is something I'm still trying to grasp, but maybe you can help us do that in a little bit. Um, but, you know, you asked, you know, what is this real podcast about? And just, just real shortly, what it's about is flipping the concept of TGIF on its head. Uh, Casey in particular, um, being in San Diego, you know, a lot of people tend to see Friday as kind of the third day of the weekend, so to speak. Um, and in the, the context of success and business and the type of people that we've had here uh, that perform at a very elite level, just don't believe in that. Uh, we believe that, you know, if you carry through Friday, um, that that piece of especially, you know, the, the 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. that you're going to push <laughs> through, you know, if you just get there, you're 20 percent ahead of anybody else starting on Monday. You know, yeah. um, so that, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to actually change culture uh, and understand that, you know, if you want to be elite, you got to work on Friday. You got to work on Friday. Um, but, uh, but with that, let me, let me just start with, with, with just, a, uh, just a little bit of a background. Um, obviously, like I said before, we're going to get into the concept of, of uh, acoustics and, and, and how important and how crazy sound is when you really think about it. But before that, give me a little background. Where, where are you from? What's going on here? <laughs> Grew up in upstate New York, in Syracuse, New York, and um, ended up working in rock and roll and coming to Los Angeles a long time ago. And, and now I'm an Angelino. Been living in LA for a long time. Working in rock and roll, um, what, what exactly do you mean? Uh, that, that's so ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, did some touring rock and roll, you know, mixing sound, mixing front of house, uh, you know, PA stuff. PA mixing stuff. front of house, mixing monitors. And then uh, at that time, I got into recording studios. So I actually ended up working at Westlake Audio Recording Studios. And by the time I left, I was chief engineer and then ended up going to Sony Pictures post-production. So question there. There had to be some incorporation of education. I mean, did you just did you learn this shit on YouTube? I mean, all of a sudden you're 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 a sound engineer, and and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, he's worked with 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 you too. He's he's worked with things in Disney. I mean, this is an exclusive elite human being. I can't I can't believe that you only learned this shit on 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 you know YouTube or something like that. Give me a little background on your education. Well, back in the well, number one, this kind of stuff isn't on YouTube even now. Uh, number two, YouTube didn't exist when I was going to school. Um, I wrote a degree. I had a very lucky circumstance where the school I was at wasn't specifically about sound or acoustics or entertainment. I went to a, a school, a SUNY school. It's a state school of New York, State University of New York at Binghamton. Okay. And it's a very elite school now, Binghamton, New York. And I was lucky enough that there was a program called the, um, hang on, I'm trying to remember, it's oh, been it's a okay. while. It's okay. Innovative Projects Board, I believe. I think it might have a new name now, where they allowed you to take from the different colleges and write essentially what amounts to a master's thesis to say why you want to take these program, uh, sorry, these classes and put them together. You wrote your own, ma your, your, your own major. Yeah, sure. But you had to explain to them, you had to prove why this would be a major, go before a board, prove it to them, and then you had to take all the classes. Then before you graduated, you had to write another paper and meet before the board again. And this is a bachelor's. Yeah. Sounding kind of like a PhD, right? Sure, sure. And then you had to meet before the board again before you graduate to prove that you successfully did all the classes and that you did learn something from this cohesiveness of different classes you put together. And mine was called Creative Sound Technology. 
So it incorporated five different disciplines. It was music, theater, film, psychology, and physics, all related to sound and acoustics. Tell, tell me, walk me through. We were we were lucky enough to kind of shoot the shit in the in the what we call the green room out here before the show, and there's just all kinds of names that are being tossed around. So <laughs> give a, give us some idea as to the to the scope of some of the the. The people that, you know, anyone listening would, would, they would know who they are. So who have you worked with? Well, in my career, not just my company's career, everyone from uh, Michael Jackson to U2 to Cher to Clint Black to the Doobie Brothers to uh, all over the place. Right, so you've seen some really cool shit. You met some I really have. cool people, right? Yes. That's that's awesome. Very okay, cool so people. so one of the things we do on this show is for anyone, whether they've done really cool shit or built really cool shit or been around really cool shit, we like to like talk a little bit about it to just offer some perspective. So you've been around uh, you know, some people that have been at the top of the music game. Music is different than some of the, whether it's athletes or, or entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit about what the music industry is like. Like, tell, tell us stuff that we don't understand about the music industry that, you know, maybe some people would find interesting. Well, you know, the music industry, it's funny. I was just talking about this out in the green room, is that when it really boils down to it, it's a bunch of people. The only difference than normal people is they're incredibly musically talented. Like, you can like or not like any of these people, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what the artist is. But I remember working with Michael Jackson. He had such a talent. He wasn't like a guy who was good at music. He was like a living embodiment of music. Like, he, he had music in his head all the time. He was always writing something down. He was always humming something. He was always singing something. The amount of music that came out of him was enormous. The amount of people that he had writing music down for him, recording music, was enormous. It was just... just like, um, I don't know, explain it. Just, he exuded music all the time. I kind of imagine him just moonwalking wherever he goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, just, I don't know why I, don't know why <laughs> I do that. It's just, the guy just seems so talented. Like, he's no, walking. He kind of, like, levitates, right? Like, it just, it just he's, like, a bigger-than-life type of individual. Like, when you were growing up, when you were growing up and born in the 60s or 70s, I can't remember. But but he was probably an icon in your day. I was a, he's a, I'm a little bit younger. Uh, so... <laughs> But anyway, okay, so let's so so music. You say well, these people are incredibly talented because they use a different side of the brain than what I'm used to. Walk me through what incredibly talented means from an art perspective, and and, and what that means to you. It's like they're always humming, or they when they look off into the distance, they're not thinking about something. They're hearing music, or they're thinking about music, or they're writing music, or they're composing something, or they're when they're tapping their hands, they're not just like tapping because they're impatient. They're tapping because they're working on a rhythm. You know, a friend of mine, uh, Richard Gibbs, he's a composer. He told me this great story once about uh, he used to surf a great deal, a lot. And he said, yeah, he wrote this one piece of music when he was surfing. And what he would do is he had, um, <coughs> I forget what it is, it's like a neoprene holder on his arm for his cell phone. And what he would do is he'd surf a couple sets, but while he's surfing, he came up with his music in his head. So in between sets, when the waves weren't happening, he'd come in, he'd pull out his cell phone, He'd call himself on his, on his own voicemail, and he'd sing one line, and then he'd sing the next harmony, and he'd sing five-part harmony. And keep going. Then he'd go surf another set, and he'd write some more music, and then he'd go back into, into the, you know, surf, get back onto the shore, sing a couple more lines onto his cell phone. He'd just surf, write music in his head, hit the shore, call himself, leaves, and then he went back to his studio later and took all those voicemails he left himself, and he composed them all and put them all together. Wow, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's a great example of how... 
people in the music industry, especially the, the musicians themselves and the composers, it's like breathing. Yeah, how they're wired. Yeah. I, what I'd like to have you reflect on is, you know, you've, you've been able to work with some extremely talented musicians, like we said, and, and there's, there's rapport that needs to be built when someone, there's is fundamental trust. When, when, when you're dealing with sound you're, and, and, and someone's job is relying on sound, they need to trust you. And so it's, it would seem to me that um, your passion, obviously, is sound, sound waves. Um, has it been your experience that is the reason why you're so successful in what you do? I know you're, you're passionate about what you do. Does the artist recognize your gift, your ability to uh, reflect and capture sound? Because you told me a story, and please actually reflect on this first and then, and then come back to what I asked. Uh, <laughs> this is because, the longest question of all time. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it gets to, I, I want you to talk a little bit about the Shania Twain and, 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 and sound as it relates to voice, because I think it was fascinating if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to answer your first question, yeah, sure. <laughs> yes. And I would say sometimes they're more concerned with the outcome than they are specifically with me mm. um, or the company. Um, it depends on the individual. Again, some, some people want to know everything about what I think, how do I draw, you know, how does the design work? We have one client right now, he wants to know my entire process. You know, what am I doing today? You know, tell me what part of my studio you're drawing on. And other clients are like, like Universal Mastering, when they hired us, they said, we need seven mastering studios. Here's the keys. Design it, build it. We'll see you in three months. Literally, build a studio, make it sound good. They literally <laughs> just said, please make sure it's right. They walked away, came back, and they were happy. Just for context, that's your, that's your business. Sound, you're, you're building acoustics. studios. We acoustics do, for, for acoustics, yeah. Quantum acoustics, okay. So, so, get, we so focus that, on that background. architecture and architectural acoustics. Got it. We do also interior design and furniture design and other things as well. Around studios and sound. We can do all of that. Okay. We actually have built a semicircular glass studio overlooking the Santa Monica Ocean. What's the most expensive studio that, that, that you've <laughs> ever produced? I, I don't even know. I'd have to really talk. I'd have to talk to just some ballpark. business people. To or just ball, ballpark it for me. Millions. Millions for one room. For one room. For one room. So you could spend millions in just oh, a, easy. And, and what? what add, uh, let's just take that for an example. Out of that, those millions, what part of that is the acoustic side of it? Like, what's your biggest? Well, invoice? see, that's an interesting question. Thank you. Tradition. No, it's, <laughs> it's actually a very interesting question because in the world of construction, right? Mm -hmm. Traditionally, um, architecture and design is somewhere between eighteen to. 22, 25% of the fee. And the majority of the cost of building a structure like, like this room or this building or any permanent construction structure, an actual building that requires permits and plans, architecture contractors, the majority of the cost is materials. The majority of the cost is materials and then there's a contractor's fee and there's an architect's fee, but the majority is bricks and mortar. It's drywall and nails and you know, dirt windows and doors, mm -hmm. especially right now, we've been able yeah. to flip it around the other way. In other words, we, the smart design is where you think about it a lot. You design it really well and you spend as little money and as little time and as little materials as possible to build the object. So for instance, when we've done, well, I can't quote it, but we've done multi room facilities where it was upside down. It took a, lo a lot more time in the design mode but then the materials were a fraction of the cost. So the overall project costs less than it should have, but instead of being, say, just round numbers, 80% materials and contracting and 20% design, it was the other way around. But it ended up being 
less expensive. What's the name of your company? And tell us what the company does, just from in a broad term. So we, we call it DHDI for short. Okay. DHDI. Uh, the long version is Delta H Design Incorporated. And you're the CEO. I'm the founder and the CEO. Founder yes. and CEO. Got it. Okay. Principal awesome. acoustician. I try not to say founder too much. Sounds yeah. It's a little sure. too fancy. Well, they tend to get kicked out eventually, anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it when. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Did you want me to answer the Shania Twain question? Well, if you don't mind, he kind of always interrupts me and, and tries to get all, you know, uh, so, appropriate. So, <laughs> um, the reason why we have a relationship with that is that we did the very first ZR Acoustics Studio, which is uh, a technology that uh, I invented and that I, the company uses exclusively. ZR Acoustics stands for Zero Reflections Acoustics. Um, Mike Shipley was our first foray into that kind of studio. Um, Mike had been working with a guy named Mutt Lang, who was running Sony Records, I think, at the time. And uh, <clears throat> basically, Mutt had married Shania Twain, and she was the first, maybe not the first, I think the Eagles might have been the first, but she was a big hit in one world, one foot in country music, one foot in pop music. And she was with Mutt Lang, and so Mike Shipley and Mutt Lang created what we call in the music industry her sound. They, they, you know, she had a beautiful voice, of course, and she had talent, but with audio and post-production, you have to have like a sound, right? So they made her sound. Mike Shipley, when he left that after, I'm trying to remember, five or six years, um, he moved to LA, he had started a new life, He'd gone away from analog. He, he bought the first, the first digital console made by a company that no longer exists anymore called DigiDesign. And he, was, he bought a house. He wanted a studio. But he wanted a studio that no one had ever built before. He wanted a square or a rectangular room that didn't have all the acoustic issues of a square rectangular room. And that's what ZR was invented for. And we've taken it from there much further. One, one question I have for you. So... so when, when someone goes on, oh, well, yeah, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, okay, so someone's performing, right? Like, no, Shania Twain's going to be in Vegas. And, and so someone would go out and do, they do sound checks, right? So do they bring in a sound engineer to, or is it just all yeah, the artists? Always. They always do. Okay, so what, so walk every, us through. Every single sound you've ever heard in a movie is recorded, produced, engineered, or recorded separately. Every single album you've ever heard is recorded, produced, post produced. It's all, um, what's more? It's not like, it's not like you just pick up a blade of grass outside. No, there's a blade of grass. It's like, there's a blade of grass. We're going to Photoshop it. Then we're going to tweak it. Then we're going to bleach it. Then we're going to dye it green. Then we're going to bleach it again. Then we're going to... Ch- there's a lot of production. Does no the matter. artist... Do the artist in the, in, the, in the engineer, do they ever disagree, right? The artist is like, no, I, I want it this way. And the engineer is like, that doesn't sound right. a really right. good team, the artist and the engineer work together very well. Yeah. And very rarely... Do, <laughs> if the artist and the engineer, audio engineer, don't get along, then the audio engineer is gone. Right. Because the, the ta- ta- it's life. Talent wins. Talent wins. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that, though. I want to talk about the concept of um, auto-tune in, in the context of, of artists and vocalists. Because I know naturalists, let's just call them naturalists, who just completely can't stand the concept of auto-tune because they feel like any, any person. We call them purists. Or purists, okay. Someone who literally has a gifted voice, and now there's like this manufactured gifted voice. Can you, can you go into this? What's your perspective on the concept of auto-tune? Because it sounds to me like... Uh, there's artists out there that if they didn't have auto-tune, they certainly sound like shit. <laughs> well, okay, to be fair, I'm not an audio engineer. Okay, okay. Haven't, been, haven't done audio engineering in many, many, many years. Sure. We know we have lots of clients and lots of friends and colleagues who are audio engineers. 
And as I would say from my personal perspective, given the fact that I don't do that all day long anyway, is that I believe in the right tool for the right job. Mm. Like if you said to me, hey, I want to build a railroad station and like Union Station, and uh, can you do the acoustics? I'm like, well, if the acoustics isn't important, you don't need us. Save the money, go build a nice reverberant church-like sounding railroad station, have a nice day. Yeah. But if you said, I want to build a great sounding recording studio or do a virtual production studio with no acoustics issues, I'm like, yes, we can help you with that. I would say that some people, sure, probably need auto-tune. And I would say that auto-tune, like any other audio device or audio software, audio hardware application, call it, right? Um, sometimes you can use it as, a, as an effect, as an effect. Like I remember there's, there's on one of Cher's albums, she's got some auto-tune, uh, and they use it as an effect on her voice. So you can hear the auto-tune tuning your voice and, and it sounds, it's got a very specific effect. It's kind of cool sounding, right? But they did it on purpose. Right. They did it on purpose. Right. Or if they did it accidentally and said, hey, that sounds cool, let's leave it in. So you build these studios. Do you get to actually go in and the artist is actually performing when the studio gets built? Sometimes. You do. Sometimes. Is, has, it, has there been like it's, a moment where you, you build a studio, the artist is performing where you're like, wow, I, I made it. This is, this is incredible. Was there an, a moment where you're like, this is what I've worked really hard for? I would say, you know, and my staff will tell you this, is that I tend to always be looking forward. So the minute I'm done designing something, there's a moment of leaving behind. Then there's the moment of having it built and having to go tune the studio. We call it tuning. So think of tuning like an instrument, like tuning a Stradivarius. We have to get the speakers in the right physical position. We have to tune it with pink noise. We use technology. We use our ears. We use music to make it sound perfect, right? To make it sound great. And then clients always do ask us to come back and visit or hang out. Um, and they're usually very busy working, creating content. Um, so I tend to not go back too often because I'm always looking forward. Mm. Um, because we're very innovative, I would say that a lot of what we do, our colleagues don't understand or they don't grasp or they think it's snake oil or whatever. So I'm always looking to the future of, I think of it like this. A cell phone is quantum physics. When we were growing up, there was no cell phone. We had the, the, kitchen, the kitchen phone with a long cord. We had a cord and a phone and there was a Dial. piece and dials, yeah. yeah, exactly, rotary phones. But there was a piece of copper that went from you to the guy you're talking to through the telephone, lots of copper lines. And now we have these little battery-powered devices that are incredible. They're incredible. They're like cars, you know? They're incredible. It's like, it's got power. You can surf the internet. You can talk to anywhere in the world. You can text people. You can do all these things with this little battery-powered device that fits in your pocket. And so what I think about all day, every day, is why is acoustics not like we're down to one inch and 10 times the hearing, the, the frequency of what we can hear. I want to get down to a millimeter, the thickness of your shirt, you know, the thickness of a human hair. Human hair is about a few nanometers. But why isn't it super thin, super light, and control all frequencies of human sound? That's all I'm thinking about. So I tend not to think about the last thing I did, when it's done and it sounds great and if the client is happy and, I, and we're satisfied that the client's happy, while we were designing and build that, say that took anywhere from three months to a year. <laughs> I've spent three months to a year in the future. Sure, 
Sure. And yet at the same time, we are here to grow business, right? I mean, you've created this amazing product. Um, and, and we can go into that later as to exactly how amazing it is. But let's just say uh, in the context of our podcast, I mean, the way that culture is innovating itself in terms of uh, content and media, it is all of a sudden you have the capability of going to your bedroom and creating uh, some wonderful music and some switchboards. And you have provided a new way of not having to spend a couple million dollars building a studio. You literally, for a fraction of the cost, can create any rooms, uh, acoustic uh, genius in a context, right? I mean, is that not what you've done? That's what? incredibly kind of you. Thank you. But essentially, we've made it portable. We made it small, lightweight, and portable. Yes. So soundproof. Not sound. Soundproof is a very vague term. Okay, but that's what us uh, laymen. Yeah, that's how well, we. That's what we consider. We break right? it down into two groups. Okay. And this isn't necessarily widely accepted in the acoustics feel, but it, it makes sense to us, so we use these phrases. One is called acoustic signature. So it's like the quality of sound. It'd be like why your voice sounds different than Wynn's voice. It's like you guys have different sounding well, voices. Mine's much better. <laughs> you really teed that up for him, didn't you? <laughs> All right, sorry. Anyway, but the point is, is that there's an acoustic signature, which is what you would call the timbre, the quality of the sound. I, I like this person. This person's got a very robust voice. This person has a really nasal voice. This, this person has like an operatic voice. I, I actually do like your voice. Very, it's very yeah, soothing. It is, yeah, it is kind of. Not yours. I was, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> it's therapeutic. <laughs> but the other part of it is, you, as you mentioned, soundproofing is what we call acoustic isolation, which that term just makes much more sense. The sound that's outside this building right now, we don't want to hear and hear. And the guys outside this building don't want to hear us. So it's basically a a barrier of some sort. You can call it a wall, you can call it a membrane, whatever, but in architecture we call it an envelope. Think of it as literally like a, an envelope would be like a, think of it as a balloon. In, in acoustics, think of it as a balloon. You want, if all the water in a, in, a, in a water balloon stays inside and everything on the outside doesn't get in and everything on the inside doesn't get out, that's acoustic isolation. Mm. Nothing gets in, nothing gets out. Acoustic signature is the quality of the sound inside. How does it sound? Does it sound really reverberant? Does it sound really dead? Does it sound really, really, really quiet? Is it really loud? You know, is, does it make your voice sound like, does your make your voice sound a lot more reverb and a lot low boomy? Or if I stay away from this mic, does it make it sound my, my voice like they'll sound a lot thinner? You're going to put really my hands around my mouth. Does it sound really weird like this? <laughs> and now Tony's going to be like, what are you doing to my <laughs> microphone? Well, no, I think what that does is it, it, it makes it clear for even a dumbass like me. Like even I can understand something like that, right? Yeah, so you, you have an awesome voice. Does your, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, but does your company, does, does the product actually encompass both? And does, yes. It, okay, so. Yes, we can do both. Okay. But what we have found in the world, which was a growing movement for a very long time, is that people want, number one, they want to set up a studio anywhere. Yeah. Because now you can basically with well, a, la I, I, a laptop. I think the pandemic the inspired that, by the way. No, long before the pandemic. Okay. It was going on long before the pandemic. Okay. There's been a movement towards, okay, I've got some talent. I think I have some talent. I have a band. I want to record it, but I don't have the resources or the contacts or the money or the friends who work at a studio to go to a multi-million dollar studio or build. I don't have a quarter million dollars. I don't have a half a million dollars. Or I can't, I don't even have $5,000 to go rent a studio. But I have a laptop, and I have a use. I can I can buy you know an audio interface and a microphone. You know, I mean for that it's a few thousand dollars you can record. But then you have the problem of what space are you recording in? Oh, I live near next to the train train tracks. Well, I can only record. Okay, train comes by at eleven fourteen, twelve fifty five. So yeah. you got from eleven fifteen to 
right before the next train, quick record. Right? Yeah. Which, you know, it's been done many, many times, but people want to set up a proper acoustic environment in whatever environment they want. We're, we're jumping around here, but I got an interesting question. Why is it, just now that we have a sound yeah. engineer, and I've never met a sound engineer before, but why Why is Not it? Not a sound engineer. Acoustical genius. It's called acoustical genius. Let's okay, just call that. We have an yeah. acoustical genius. genius. Okay, my question is this. Why does everyone, when they're listening to their voice on like a voicemail, or why, why does Say everyone- they hate their own voice. Why, do they hate, why, why is that? Because we don't hear ourselves the way other people hear us. The one thing, the, 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 very, the biggest thing that you should think about is fact, is that you hear yourself with what we call bone conduction. So your voice vibrates the bones in your head and your mouth and enters your ear, and you sound different to yourself than, than we hear you. That's what artists have to deal with all the time. And that's why, that's why like Mike Shipley and Shania Twain, he created a sound for her. So what happens is he puts her all through a certain mic pre, a certain microphone, which goes into a certain, a certain specific mic preamp, and then through a compressor. Right? And then and, and Tony knows all about this. All these kind of audio devices that sound very natural at the end, but it just changes the voice so you can still completely recognize the person. But it shapes and it, it like sculpts their voice in an acoustic signature way, but not acoustically, but electronically, so that they sound this way all the time. Is there anything that that we can do so it sounds better? Is there any are there any tips or tricks to, to Larynx transplant? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that sounds intense. Yeah, yeah, that's but I'm not opposed to it. Uh, the irony of saying sounds good. intense is different, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so, so it just is what it is. Your ear is going to hear what your ear is You're going always going to gonna hear yourself differently than other people hear you. Always. Unless, unless you had someone else in your head. They can't hear the bone conduction. The bones in your head are connected to your, your eustachian tubes, to your ear canal, to your eardrum, everything. No one else can hear it like that. You could have... If you were an audio engineer, you could record your own voice and compare it to the sound that you're hearing in your head and tweak it enough so that, you know, the recording of your voice and tweak it so that everyone else could hear that recording just like you hear it in your head. Well, so I, I started, my career started as in cold calling and you are who your voice tells the person yes. on the other end, you are. And so I was, even at a young age, I was probably maybe 20 at the time. I was really cognizant of how I was being heard yes. from a voice perspective, especially yes. in sales. So I'm wondering, is there an opportunity here to, to do some voice coaching with, with people? So it, you can't change your voice. Your voice is your voice, but there's sometimes you wake up in the morning and it's deeper. Sometimes you, yes. there's different, is, is there anything in how you can manipulate your voice to? Uh, well, there's an entire industry in the oh, there is. industry around voice coaches. Absolutely. Oh, voice coaches. Okay. Absolutely. And what you did is brilliant because that's what people do. You're taking the feedback from how people react to you with your voice and you're changing your voice so you get a more positive feedback. So absolutely, you already know how to do it. So I, I, let me just step back real briefly and I want to wrap my head around the concept of acoustical signature. You talked about Shipley, Mariah Twain. Um, Shania, Twain. Shania Twain, Mariah. I'm thinking Mariah Carey because I'm thinking <laughs> she must have an acoustical signature too, right? Yes. But so what you're really saying is there, there's there's a component where specific vocalist voice is truly manufactured in a way, correct? Um, I wouldn't say manufactured because if you remove the original voice, it doesn't work. It but it's a consistent, work. they've created a, an opportunity to make it consistent? In, in the audio world, it's called a vocal chain. So... When you record something, it changes the nature of a sound, period. This microphone hears more, depends on the microphone, but assume this microphone is very high quality. It hears more than our human ears can naturally hear. 
And then there's a lot of processing, both initial processing before it goes to the recording media, which is now a hard drive. And then after that, the post-processing before it goes to whatever content is going to be on a video, a podcast, whatever, right? So that's true of everything. That's not just true of an artist. It's true of all artists. It's true of all recordings. But acoustic signature, we originally invented the term in relation to the sound of a room. Because you've been in rooms like your bathroom sounds different than like your living room. Sure. Right? Bathrooms, all hard surfaces, a lot of reflections. So you hear a lot of echo and reverb, right? But you go to the living room, it's not as many hard surfaces, hopefully, and a little softer, a little quieter. And if you go to a train station or a church, it's going to be very reverberant, long decay times. That's the acoustic signature. But the term does apply to artists, absolutely. Fascinating. What, what, what I think about is, you know, in the, in the world of, of NFTs and, and blockchain technology, everybody is focused on verification, right? And, and making sure, verifying that you are, in fact, uh, who you say you are or this product, whether it's real estate, whether it's whatever you're doing with crypto, all this uh, with NFTs. Uh, I just wonder, do you see any relation between blockchain technology and acoustical signature at all? Or am I way off? <laughs> well, not knowing almost anything oh. about blockchain technology. Okay. He okay. doesn't either. <clears throat> well, yeah, just verifying, <laughs> verifying authenticity. Verifying authenticity. Well, um, a voice signature mm-hmm. is like an imprint. It's like a fingerprint. Okay. So if you did not interfere with the recording at all, if you didn't put in what we call a vocal chain, yeah. if you didn't alter the recording at all, absolutely. You can identify. I mean, you do it all day long. All day long. You guys have cell phones. Someone calls you, and without them saying who they are, if you didn't even look at your phone, just picked up, you could recognize that person's voice. Mm. Your girlfriend, your mother, your dad, your buddy. Sure. You just recognize their voice even without anything else because you can identify the acoustic signature of their voice so can it be used for identification sure yeah does anyone doing it i couldn't tell you yeah yeah it's just fascinating i couldn't tell you there's probably i'm sure that there's some part of like you know surveillance or governments or i don't know secret agencies they're, that are probably, probably doing listening that. right now <clears throat> probably you, but you admit you had mentioned i think earlier uh, that your business is all word of mouth is that is that accurate and it tends to be i mean okay. we do a little bit of instagramming a little bit of facebook but for the most part Having started in the music industry, um, the only way to really, for clients to feel comfortable is that they would ask another client, say, hey, I'm going to build a studio. Who built your studio? And, Mm. well, did you like him? Did you like the sound of the studio? Was it okay working with him? Were they on time? Were they on budget? Did it sound good? Does it work for mixing? Does it work for tracking? And... You know, it's it's a small. At the end of the day, it's well, really a small industry. And it, it's interesting. It's an interesting dilemma that I think you find yourself in. I assume that you find yourself in. You have worked. We've we've spoken in the green room with some of the most exclusive artists in the world. I mean, it knocked my socks off. But you almost need to rely on word of mouth because I would tell. I would presume that these particular people that you work with don't necessarily want to have you use their name in order to grow grow the business. It's got to be authentic. And there's a there's a level there of trust and authenticity that, that can win. It's going to take a little longer. But um, I think that that might be what you're capturing. If you went to a, a social media company and or if you went to me and, and said, look, I have a product. I want to grow the business. I would be like, well, who do you work with? Okay, perfect. It's, it's oh, my God, that's, that's Mick Jagger. Uh, well, let's use Mick Jagger and say you work with Mick Jagger. <laughs> but what would happen if you did that? Would, would that not ruin what you're talking about? That's an excellent point. And I will just give you a very brief answer. The number of people we've worked with that we're not allowed to say who we've worked with, far outnumbers the people that you ever find on our website. 
Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so but but the other side of it could also be like, yes, when you're building a custom studio at a at a as a at a residence in LA, that is one side of the business. The other side of the business is mass scale, which is what gets me excited, right? Like so you're saying, I have this really cool fucking product. You can have a sound studio in your house if you're a 12-year-old who wants to make it in LA, yeah. but you live in Oklahoma and there are no sound studios. You can so ship it anywhere. you can ship it anywhere. So while on one hand, yeah, your custom design and build and how you're, you know, interacting with really famous people. That's one side of the business. The other side is if you can ship these anywhere, you can yeah. have a billion dollar business on your hand. So, well, that's an interesting point. So, yes, we we diversified a long time ago um, because we realized when we had this technology, which again we call ZR Acoustics, that it's very thin. And you both have experienced and heard it now. It's very thin. It's about an inch, you know, and it's portable. And you can literally just put it in the back of your SUV or ship it anyways. You saw the bags. You can pick yeah. it up. It's yeah, like, it looks you know, like a snowboard. It looks like you're going <clears throat> snowboarding after this. Yeah, it's, it's actually smaller and lighter than a small, no, snowboard bag. My snowboard bag, once I put all my crap in it, my boots yeah, and sure, everything, sure. it weighs a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, these are lightweight. They're portable. You can set them up anywhere. So what we did a long time ago is when we were asking the question in the very beginning when Mike Shipley came to us and said, I want a studio, but you can't do what we do in traditional acoustics. You can't angle the walls because I don't want to lose all that square footage. Talk to me a little bit about that. What do you mean angle the walls? I, I know that you know our friend uh, John Acalino, yeah. uh, who's an amazing human. Uh, he is. He's got amazing, this amazing yeah. uh, studio. I don't even want to tell you how much has been invested, but let's just say it's a mark of genius. But uh, every angle and everything that he's done there, th there's purpose behind it. This yes. is not this is not yeah. designed because I want to look good. This is literally because he's measured literally to the what? Nanome I don't know what the measurement <laughs> concept is. but So in traditional acoustics, the, the measure of trying to make things sound better starts with having non-parallel surfaces. So like a tuning fork, like you know what a tuning yeah. fork is. Sure. When those two tines are parallel, the tuning fork resonates. You give it X amount of energy and it gives you X exponential more back. We should build energy this way. We should build cars this way. You give it X, you get X to the ninth, X to the twelfth back. But that's a problem in acoustics because if I've got you know, one frequency, this frequency, frequency Y, that's right in the middle of your voice frequency, and every time you speak, the whole room resonates and rings, it resonates at that one frequency, that's a problem in audio and audio capture, right? So we don't want that to go away. We want that to go away, and we want it to be without that resonance. Mm -hmm. The way to do that is to take the two tines of the, of the, of the tuning fork, which are parallel, and make them non-parallel. So think of it like take the two tines and bend them so that they're at an angle. They have to be at least a certain angle and then possibly more. But now you've got a room where you've got typical rooms are rectangular or square. They've got left and right, front and back, ceiling and floor. That's three pairs of parallel surfaces. So now you have three different resonances, left to right, front to back, ceiling to floor. Each one of those resonances has three harmonics that you're gonna hear above it and three subharmonics. Now every pair of, like say, left and right wall, now that has seven different frequencies that are a problem. Times the ceiling and the floor and the other one. Now you got 21 different frequencies. Well, yeah, 21 different problems. That's 21 different problems, not including the interaction of those 21 frequencies against each In other. concert, sure. So now you've got many problems. So the traditional acoustics approach has been, well, make the, the walls not parallel. You know, take the tuning sure. fork and bend it. Now you've got a room with lots of non-parallel surfaces that looks like a, you know, an experiment in geometry, right? But now you also, from a construction and 
real estate and monetary codes, early point of view. And codes. codes. It's not only complicated, you have it's a lot expensive. of wasted space. You have a lot of angled walls that are with dead space in between them. What we've done is we took all that geometry, what we call non-parallel surfaces, and we've turned it into a unit of measure, which so far we haven't found anyone having created an acoustic unit of measure. So we say number of non-parallel surfaces in one square foot. Now, in traditional acoustics, you, gotta, you have these long planar walls, like a big long wall. <clears throat> we build it into the wall or into the product. And back to your question a while ago, is that we've broken things into three categories. One is permanent construction, building a building, bricks and mortar, city permits, contractors, you know the deal, right? We build it in the wall. When it's built, the only way to make it go away is to demo the whole building, right? The other way is what we call prefab. It's exactly the same as bricks and mortars, only instead of building the building and then building it in the walls, you have a, any old building, and then we can build the stuff in the factory, build the ZR in the factory, and we can put it on the walls. And if you move, you can take it off the walls and go somewhere. <clears throat> the last category we work in is called products, and that's hang on the walls. We originally named them after, like, Silicon Valley like surface-mounted devices. And you guys <laughs> remember those? So we used to call them SMDs. Now we just call them devices. They hang on the wall with Velcro or whatever you want. You know, it's like we're looking at a magnetic system. But basically, they just hang on the wall. Kind of like, you know, well, the ones we have right behind us right now. Yeah. The ZR screens that we brought here. You know, they're one inch thick and they have their own stands, but they can also. And by, by the way, you, we're going to we're gonna do We'll do a little example later. You, you can tell the difference just so you know. It, it's fascinating to me, but I don't want to interrupt. But it's it's crazy. And, and give us so people listening understand what what are what's a cost for for all three. Maybe if you build it into a wall, if you prefab it or if you have it. What well, you call construction is uh, more expensive outside of the acoustics because you have to pay for architecture then you have to pay for but just for your design. product just just for is it is it all the same because some no, of it is no, custom right yeah okay so like uh, like permanent construction would be we would design you a studio got it we would design you a studio you would say what we call ground up meaning i've got a plot of land i've got a patch of dirt i want to build a building and inside of it a recording studio that would be permanent construction got it prefab would be like i have a building and I want to turn this room into a recording studio, and I just want to screw stuff to the wall, and that's prefab. We build it in a factory. We ship it to you. We have an install company come in, and well, we install it for like a week. You could do a studio, install the whole thing, cover it with cloth, boom, you have a studio. Products, you just hang on the wall. And that's just something you order on your website? It, well, you call us for that, yeah. Okay. Because everything you do is custom? It's all made from scratch. All made from scratch. Okay. Fascinating. It's yeah. all made. Because everybody's got a different size wall. Is that kind of the... <laughs> Do you know anybody who has the same size wall? <laughs> well, I can tell you, anything that he has, mine's much bigger. <laughs> so, uh, and anything he has, mine is much better. <laughs> oh, that was That good. magic's the wand stuff, huh? <laughs> um, uh, let's just change gears real quick because it's something I've always uh, reflected on. I, I never know what it really means. What what the what the hell does perfect pitch mean? Because when you, when you talk to, to Casey about... Well, it's when I sell be, something. <laughs> <laughs> no, nice. I'm not talking about I'm not, in the context of sound. Oh. You, you told Casey that look, what we think we listen, uh, you know, what we, we we hear ourselves differently, right? Yes. And and yet there is this concept of perfect pitch. What the fuck is it? Well, what those is are that? two completely different things. Okay. <laughs> so pitch is if you want to convert pitch into like science, or let's talk about pitch. I was in an acapella group in college called the Binghamton Crosbys. Uh -huh. Hey guys. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so it was an acapella group. 
And we always, you know what a pitch pipe is? It's a little mm-hmm. harmonica yep. that plays yep. a certain frequency, right? And to start off every song, we had to have like an A or a G or whatever. Here's the pitch, and then we blow the pitch pipe. You and sound everyone it. starts. Yeah. Everyone knows that that note, and then we start the song. <clears throat> okay, now you can convert any pitch, any note, A, B, C, D, F, A minor, G flat, whatever. You can convert that into a specific scientific frequency. You can say this is, for instance, um, and this is a very generic term, but symphony orchestras generally tune around an A440. Okay. They call it an A because it's an A, that's the note, but 440 is actually, it's 440 cycles per second. <laughs> so it's 440 hertz. Hertz means cycles per second. Okay? So that's a certain scientific. Now, back to your question. Yeah. Perfect pitch means that an individual, regardless of how they hear themselves or how other people hear them, in their head, without any reference of anything, no computers, no pitch voice, they can just hear. If you said, I need a B, they would right? S- I need an A440. They will sing it to you and they will be dead on. They just have the ability, the gift. I've met people with this. And, yeah, and, and the, it, the joke about perfect people with perfect pitches is that they think we're all fucking with them. Because they think that we all have perfect pitch and we're just messing with them. Wow. We're like, oh, she's got perfect. We all have perfect pitch. Let's mess with Susie. We're all going to sing off key. <clears throat> and then somewhere along the line, they, they grew up and they realized, oh, you guys don't have it? Wow. You don't have perfect. I thought everybody had perfect pitch. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you're younger. You assume that everybody's like you. That we all, everybody has the same allergies at it. Oh, you like apples? I like apples. Everybody likes apples. Now, so. now if you have perfect pitch, is that, uh, is it implied that you therefore have a great voice? No. Perfect pitch means that somewhere in your mind and your, you have the ability to say, to take an A440 and just sing it or play it. Or not play it, but usually just sing it <clears throat> without any help, without a violin, without a piano, without a tone generator. You know what that sounds like in your head. And what we would do in an acapella group is, and well, not in our acapella group, but we met other acapella groups where we're looking at them going, how did they do that? There's no pitch pipe. And they started the song and they're dead on key. And then we met the group and like, oh, she's got perfect pitch. Wow. She so sings, she's the one she who's gives the, us litmus. the starting She's note. the litmus. She's the, she's the reference. Yeah. 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 And wow. there are, there are, I've met quite a few people like that, and it's a, it's a double-edged gift. Yeah, sure. On the one, it's like, on one hand, you're always in key. On the other hand, everyone else besides you sounds like they're out of key all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. fascinating. And it's, to them, we're all annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah. No, I think he has perfect pitch, because he's fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any chance he gets, huh? I won't even dignify it with a response. That's, what, that's where he's got. You guys must be related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard that. He's my, red, he's my redheaded step. We're going to do that a lot. <laughs> so, um, well, well, is there anything, like, as we, we're kind of wrapping and we get to, towards the end of the, the this, is there anything with, of the future of sound? Is there anything that you see? You, see you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you're always thinking about three months to 12 months ahead. Like, what, what do you see? Oh, no, I'm thinking 20 years ahead. And that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, okay, but, but as you're doing a project and you're looking at, all right, we're, we're, we've already done this kind of, like, mission accomplished. So what is the, what is, you know, for us people that don't know anything about your industry, really, and, and we're just kind of yeah. learning about this for the first time, what is, you know, what does the future look like for sound and, and the, you know, the development and concept of all the things that you have working in your business? Well, sound and acoustics are inherently tied together because acoustics is the science of sound, right? So we spend a lot of time 
listening. We spend a lot of time paying attention to, like you did when you were changing your voice for customer service. How do people react to sound? Because arguably, it's the second most powerful sense we have. <laughs> arguably, we're visual-based creatures. And secondarily, we're auditorially-based creatures. So sound is extremely important to us. And if you, if you start to pay attention to it, there's a lot of auditory cues you use, from the ring on your phone, to if you give someone a specific ring, to the little clicker on the sidewalk walkers, to many different little sounds, like the sound of a door opening, you know, someone's coming in. There's many, many sounds we, we pay attention to. What we're looking forward to in the future is when we can take the technology that we figured out, the, the quantum acoustic technology, and apply it to everything, meaning old age homes, hearing aids, hospitals, daycares, uh, airports. You know, it would be great to like not have to like take every house near an airport and make it sound, but just make the airport so you can't hear it. You know, put some sort of quantum acoustic bubble around it and just make it it's like, okay, you, you, like in a science fiction movie, you fly into the bubble, when you, when you pierce the bubble, you stop making sound. Or no one outside the bubble hears a sound. Or to be well, just wait, hold on. <laughs> that, that, that's fascinating. So you're saying create a <laughs> bubble around an airport? Or along the flight path. I mean, we're talking so a tunnel. science fiction right now. No, I know, I love it. I, I think, but I, I want to make sure I understand. Like, I, like I said, I, I'm noise the, pollution is a thing. I think your noise yeah. pollution is huge. Yeah. In fact, if you look at the EU, EU is published in the World Health Organization has published many papers on the fact that, especially because we become more and more city-based worldwide, sure, noise pollution is one of the largest health issues facing humans right now, because noise on a daytime and a nighttime level is way too high. It increases. It creates high blood pressure, it creates high stress levels, it creates hypertension, it, it creates too much stress in humans. Or if you take someone and you, you know, the joke is always, oh, I'm going to go to a beach, I'm going to go to like Hawaii or the Caribbean and chill out, because it's quiet, because there's no noise, because the sound of the water washing up on the beach is white noise and it's pleasant, because the sand between you and the water absorbs a lot of the high frequency sound, because it's quiet. Mm. When it's quiet, we're less stressed out. When it's quiet, our blood pressure is lower. When it's quiet, we sleep better. When we sleep better, we're healthier. So what we're looking forward to doing is being able to take the technology we have now, which is about a pound a square foot and about an inch thick, and getting it down to like an ounce a square foot and a millimeter thick, and hopefully be able to manufacture it and mass produce it so we can make it more affordable to the masses and put it everywhere. Because if you, if you could mass produce and make it affordable in a much more meaningful way for the, for someone, you know, with not a ton of excess money to spend, you could, you can quiet the noise down on a much more massive level, right? Absolutely. Because so, if somebody had, there is some, some level of like, even in this studio, you could come in and just kind of get away, right? Yes. And, and not have to yeah. go to Hawaii to, to, to reduce some of the sound in the noise. Do you remember back in the days they used to have those sensory deprivation pods? Yeah, yeah. the white noise or whatever. No, they used to have, a, they had a movie with William Hurt in it once where he oh. like transformed into like a caveman or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, it was basically a pod where you float in water and it was a certain warm temperature. Sure. There was no light, there was no sound. Yeah. It, lo it looked like a, a big well, kind well, of... You know who does that, uh, who promotes it is, is Steph Curry with the Warriors. The, the float? The, yeah, the float. I mean, it's a similar concept. Sailing, you're floating it, and it, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Well, everybody's it's always fine. looking for an edge, right? And so yeah. that this, this, the concept of re removing sound as a as a, a way to to mentally focus and sharpen absolutely is is interesting. I've never heard that before. That's well, interesting. So when you look at the future and you say, "Hey, what's next?" 
Well, yeah. there's so much noise. Well, what's so, the, yeah, the solution. The, the solution. solution to yeah. some of the, some of that. Well, the issue. Well, is I think really we've got that. a new pitch for your website. Yeah. <laughs> pitch, no pun intended. I mean, it goes uh, on and on. Thank you. That's an excellent point. But the issue is, is that we, because ever since the industrial revolution, we continue to create more and more technology and more and more mechanisms. But because we're so, again, we're so visually based that like right now we're doing a lot of work in virtual production, right? Which is very cool technology. It's amazing technology. What does that mean? Virtual production. Virtual production is what they did on The Mandalorian, which is not the first use of it, but it's been very widely publicized. Okay, so The Mandalorian was in the, the movie Star Wars. He was a character in Star Wars. Okay, yeah. <laughs> one, one of the only humans who's never seen Star Wars. But go on. We you digress. haven't seen Star Wars? No, no. no. Okay, we won't go into yeah, that. Yeah, right yeah, now, it's okay. You were born on Mars? Okay, anyway. Um, I've been, yeah, well. What they just... That would make sense, actually. You went to San Jose State University, the same thing. Oh! Yeah, okay. Which university? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, um... Traditionally in movies, when you want to get, um, like in the original Star Wars, when they wanted to film Tatooine, they had to find a place that they thought looked like Tatooine, take the whole cast and crew, and they would all fly there, and they'd bring all their equipment, and they would set up there, and they, it's called you know, location shooting. Um, before COVID, and on many different movies, um, they would build basically a large, round um, space in a soundstage. So think of it as a giant TV screen. But it's just many, many, many LED panels that are all seamlessly edged to each other in a big round circle about 20 feet high and very, very large in diameter, like 100 feet in diameter, like 20 feet high, and with a ceiling on it. Now, the art department builds in all the graphics. I mean, we're talking a lot of very talented art people to make it look like the real thing to the camera. So, and so you, you're saying an actor gets in the middle of this thing and acts like they're in the middle of Rome? Yes. So they're or actually Paris, and they're and they're just sitting Morocco, in and they're just the sitting ocean. in LA and they're just sitting yeah. in a soundstage surrounded by LED screens and hundreds of very talented art department people who basically make it look like that. The cool thing about it is it looks incredible because we're a visually based species. The problem is we're also it sounds, we're also stupid. It's, yeah. We're just looking at it, we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess they, I guess they flew to Rome. No, it really <laughs> looks incredible. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, is they've they've engineered it in such a beautiful way where. And I, I've seen it. I've been on the stage. I've seen it. When you look through the camera, it looks absolutely real. You could not tell the difference. Mm. The only issue is that because you've got all these, you know, plastic or glass LED walls in a perfect circle, like a microwave reflector, and then a ceiling on it, now you have a very hard reflective space that doesn't sound good. Oh. So now what we're doing is we, that's why we are involved in it, is using these kind of screens sure. and putting them around to make it sound better. What we'd like to do is, you know, with every kind of technology, like if we could invent ZR paint, then you could just put well, it there, on there's the Well, there's acoustical wall. cement, right? Yeah, that's more for isolation, though. The, the acoustic isolation versus the acoustic signature. So what we're talking about with what the issues in a recording studio are would primarily be the acoustic signature, the quality of right. the sound inside. Got it. So like that's the, what makes you know the difference between the sound of your bathroom and the sound of your living room is not the train noise from outside. It's the way they sound. Mm. One sounds One's very reverberant and hard surfaces. One's quieter. Sure. And that's the acoustic signature. The isolation of the noise from inside and outside, again, that's a separate thing. So to your question, we'd love to be able to make it super thin, super light. I mean, we're thinner and lighter than anyone else by far. We'd like to be thinner and lighter. Interesting. And be everywhere. 
as as we wrap and we'll, we'll, we let you out of here is there anything i mean so we always try to bring it back to this concept of doing things a little bit differently so you talked a little bit about the technology is there anything just personally whether it's be it, the, as the artist of someone creating something or as the entrepreneur and business person tell us a little bit about what you're personally working on and what you're passionate about and what you're actually doing a little bit differently so outside of the business but just high level what 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 are you working on what are you doing what's, to, what's to, making you tick yeah what's making you tick like what this, this whole fuck you friday concept of doing things a little bit differently we always like to take elite people thinking about things differently and understand from their perspective in their seat what their life is like and how they're how they're viewing the world on how they're competing you know in their in their space but also on a broader level and how they become happy and healthy and fulfilled and feel satisfied in what they're doing i was like 20 questions in one yeah, he likes doing that. <laughs> well, I, I open it up broad, and then you can kind of jump yeah, and pick one ever one you want. you want. Yeah, pick which one you want. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, let me take the the easy one. It's like, personally, um, and this is a, a core belief in the business because it's my business, and I started the business. I started the business because back in the day, traditional studios, because of all those trapezoidal and angle surfaces, they had that trapezoidal look. But you were, you were tied to that look. It's kind of like saying, um, I want a three-piece suit. Great, we have gray. So let's start with gray and then get you a suit. I'm like, four button, three, but it's all gray. Mm -hmm. Personally, I wanted studios to look more beautiful. Mm. So our ethos from the beginning is it must sound beautiful, but also look beautiful. Mm. And that doesn't mean it should look any one particular way because every artist every producer, every composer, every person we've worked with, every creative person we've worked with, none of them are the same. No two composers write the same kind of music. No two artists sing the same kind of music. Nobody, no two people have the same kind of voice. They're all different. Therefore, their studios should be indicative of them, which means I don't want to be tied to just gray in a suit or just a bunch of trapezoidal angled walls. We want to be able to build a studio in any shape, any size. We can make it out of glass. We have one in Santa Monica. It's it's a, it's a half sphere, it's a half, it's not half sphere, half circle looking out over the ocean, all glass. You just look out, of your, you're mixing and you're looking at the ocean. Cool. That was not easy. Also, we wanted to sound beautiful. Yeah. So I personally am always driven by that. We did just start a project which we call objet d'art. It's an old term, but it's a, it's a category within uh, our products. So it's taking what most people don't see within our products, which is the incredible geometries that we use to create what we call metamaterials. You take an everyday material like, uh, like wood, and then you, you shape and form it in a way that it's, it performs completely differently than wood. That's a metamaterial. Or aluminum would technically be a metamaterial. That's what we do with that kind of stuff, right? So we started something else said, okay, well, we're going to, instead of putting everything in, wrapping it in cloth so that it just looks pretty on the wall, you wrap it in a nice, pretty cloth, beautiful, elegant textile, we designed something called a obsidian, which is an all black. It looks more like art, but it has incredible quantum acoustic properties. So personally, what I do is I'm like, you know what? Just one day I woke up and I went, okay, we're always trying to build something thinner, something lighter, something that sounds more beautiful. We're already way ahead of the curve, but what if we just went the other way? What if it's just, okay, I don't care if it's heavy. I don't care if it's light or not. I want it to be beautiful first. I want it to visually catch your attention and go, Wow, that's cool. And then it has incredible acoustic properties. So instead of being an inch thick, it's like almost three inches thick. And it's thousands of hexagons at all different angles, and they're all jet black. 
and that's why we call it Obsidian. It's fascinating to me because your your passion, your passion is sound, which ostensibly you cannot see. You can't see. And 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 there's that what there's the term I believe it's called the doctrine of affections in music, right? That music can eviscerate powerful emotion. Yes. And I think what you're trying to do is fascinating because you're trying to, in a way, synthesize. As you say, we're all visual people, but if you can synthesize the visual pleasure with audio perfection, it's Probably quite a human experience. I've actually never heard him say something meaningful on this podcast. That was actually not too bad. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good, buddy. I guess. But you. that's an excellent point because if you think about it from just a pure human experience point yeah. of view, we do that all day long. Yeah. Because everyone is always some, looking for something that, wow, that looks beautiful, but you know, I didn't like the sound of it. Or, you know what, I got this friend and I love him, but God, I hate his voice. Yeah. But I don't yeah. care because I love him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we're always looking for that perfect. Lens. Yeah, yeah. When since because our our two primary our, our two strongest not primary I'll say strongest senses are our vision light and sound mm. hearing and acoustics right we want those two to blend together mm. we want them to be as perfect that's what the movies are about it's yeah. sight and sound we want yeah. them to blend together as Dolby spends all their time creating better sound they're working with cinematographers the entire reason for virtual production wasn't COVID is because they're like well if we don't how do we do a better visual effects? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we, let's say we want to go to a location, a remote location that doesn't exist on the planet. Now what do we do? Yeah. What do we do? We can't go to space. We can't go to Venus. We, we have to create it in the art department world, which they're incredible at doing. They can create the most incredible visuals. And now, we're gonna, now we've been able to adjust the acoustics so it sounds better. Yeah, awesome. And eventually one day those two will blend. Yeah. So but I don't even know what that technology is. That's so far in the future. We're talking, again, science fiction. Yeah. But science fiction is what ends up, you know. Turns I think out. it was Arthur Clarke who wrote an uh, article in, like, the 50s, maybe the 40s. And he said, one day we will be able to, and this is back when, like, radio was, like, new. Mm-hmm. One day we'll be able to send, and he drew, he drew a picture of the Earth and this little thing floating around the Earth and an arrow from where he was. And he said, one day we'll be able to send a radio signal off of the planet because we can't send it through the planet because it'll get blocked. We'll send this radio signal to this thing floating around the planet <laughs> and it will bounce it back to someone on the other side of the planet, which satellites. Yeah, fascinating. That was science fiction and now it's every single day. Yeah. Right. Imagination breeds reality at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, this is awesome. Thank you so much for, for being here. I, I really appreciate it. I know we, we should wrap it up. It's it's about that time, but I just want to thank you. And this has been an awesome, awesome podcast. And this actually wraps up another Fuck You Friday podcast. <laughs> and uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, listeners, tune in. We're on every platform, Casey. I didn't know if you knew that. Spotify, YouTube, everything. We're, we're, we're everywhere. So please download, like us, do whatever, interact with us. And uh, we really appreciate you coming here. Thank, thank you very you much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank yeah, you. fantastic. Well, I tell you, we, when we were starting this, I was like, man, I, are are we really going to have to go over quantum anything? Because that's going to be way over my head. I don't head. even but think we talked about I think we only said it. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. great. So even for, for someone like me, I could figure out a little bit about sound. And, that was, and it was great. Like, yeah. learn something totally yeah, new and, really and fascinating. different. Really fascinating. So yeah. thank you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, guys. Okay. Pleasure being here. Awesome. Right. That's a wrap. Yep.